rifling through those long boxes and bagging those books. Welcome to your home for Star Wars comics. This is the Cosmic Force Podcast, a Utini Podcast Network production. And now, here are your hosts, Tyler Reganti, Emma Park, Caleb Lamanek, and Jacob Bosch. Hello, and welcome to a throwback episode for tonight's uh, The Cosmic Force. I am Caleb, one of your co-hosts. For tonight, we're going to be looking back at the uh, wild and adventurous times of the 1977 original Marvel Marvel comic run, uh, written by various authors and various uh, artists, but we're going to be kind of looking at some of the beginning series after it uh, took some roots, talk about some of its characters. I think we're in for a wild time here. Even if you haven't read it, I think it might be more uh, surprising that way, in fact. So, without further ado, let's uh, begin going around the table here, and let's start where we always start with our wonderful uh, producer and co-host, the great Emma Park. Emma, how are we doing tonight? Hi, everybody. Yeah, I'm I'm doing good. Um, this is going to be a really fun topic. We haven't actually discussed um, the 1977 run since uh, our episode titled um, our, let's see, craziest moments in comics we love or something like that. Something uh, it was like way that. back in the in the 30s or 40s of our episodes. So, um, yeah, if you're looking for some other fun tidbits from that, definitely check that out. But that's what actually inspired this episode. Tyler had brought up some like crazy facts from from the 77 series as the crazy moments he loves. And then uh, we just had to make it, you know, a, a big episode about it, you know, getting a little bit more, you know, analytical and stuff. So, yeah, should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the stream is looking great, so everything looks great, even though we do yes, have a special co-host. No, I was saying he's uh, less a special guest and more like our reoccurring uh, seasonal character, the one and only Jared Mays. Jared, how are you doing? His name is Valence, and the band of galactic mercenaries who follow him are bounty hunters. Yet no one here has a prize on their head. Oh, wait, I'm, uh, I'm supposed to have this read before now? Uh, <laughs> hey, guys, happy to be here talking about some... Admittedly, wacky Star Wars comics. Yeah, Emma, you remember when I got this? I was with you. Yes, I do remember that. Oh my goodness, such good memories. Very much so. Happy to make some more memories here tonight. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we were. Uh, that was the first time I met anybody from Utini. Jared and I went to a comic shop, and he bought uh, the issue of Valence's first appearance, and this one with Lumaya's light whip. A couple yes. of bangers, by the way. I've read some crazy issues out of this Marvel series. <laughs> These were uh, two especially uh, wrong one here, especially standout issues. And out of all the ones for me to just randomly find at that comic book store, absolutely great, great yeah. picks. Light whips, which are I guess back in canon now because of Ernesto Rowe. That's but right. That's true. Maybe that'll be the last time we mentioned the uh, the the High Republic. We 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 gotta go uh, not even to the Old Republic, but to the original uh, Empire. So uh, before we get too far gone, we do have to do some uh, some uh, table cleaning here. So if you're joining us for the very first time live, welcome. We are a Star Wars comics podcast that will broadcast live right here on YouTube.com/slash Utini every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. If you cannot join us live, that's okay. We are also available on all your favorite podcast platforms. We are a part also of the Utini Podcast Network of shows. 
uh, and a Discord channel at utne.com slash Discord with over a thousand members and dozens of great lively channels to choose from. Like what you see and you want to say thanks, then head over to our Patreon channel at patreon.com slash utini, that's Y-O-U-T-I-N-I, where for as little as just $5 a month you can gain exclusive access to the entire network of shows, as well as exclusive merch, community involvement, activities. Uh, Emma, do we have any new patrons this week that we want to specifically shout out? Oh, we do. We do. It's been a while since we've had some new patrons, so I'm glad to see not one, but two new patrons on here. Um, First up, we've got Corey Herndon, who joined as a monthly patron. Thank you so much, Corey. Really appreciate it. Um, And then the really, really big one here, um, really exciting. Uh, We were all talking about this in Slack, just how excited we were to see a new Jedi High Council member. And that's Robert Thomas. Robert, seriously, thank you so, so much for your generosity. Uh, it really means the world to us. And uh, yeah, to both of you, thank you. And I, I really hope that uh, that you'll enjoy um, everything that our, our Patreon has to offer. And um, I've been, I teased this on Living Force when I was on last week, but definitely keep your eye out um, for something new on your Patreon feeds very soon. Um mm definitely something in the works that i'm excited for everybody to see so yeah if uh if that tease isn't a reason to join i don't don't know what else is color me Um, intrigued so yeah yeah i know like not i don't think very many people actually know about it even on the team so i think it'll be a surprise even to them so looking forward to that is this the thing Um, with freddie you doing the thing with freddie freddie's got a thing no he has a thing freddie's keeping a secret thing from me you're keeping secret things what is going on? I didn't know about Freddy's secret thing. Yeah, Freddy's got a thing. I think it involves martial arts. Uh, he's here in the chat, so he knows. What? We don't know, but he knows. I was about to say, dear listener, if you're concerned <laughs> about all these secrets, join our Patreon. There's no <laughs> secrets concerned. to our patrons. <laughs> no, they probably don't. Exactly. Yeah, you, you know all the secrets the moment they come out. So Absolutely. Um, well, I'm personally excited to see Freddy's secret. <laughs> and yeah, okay, that'll be really cool. Exactly. Um, Speaking so, of coming out, we have uh, yeah. uh, uh, just one issue this week, right, Emma? That's correct. Yeah, one issue uh, with a really sweet cover here, might I add. Um, Whoa. So this is Halcyon Legacy, issue number five, uh, the end of the Halcyon Legacy miniseries, might I add. Um, the subtitle is Part 5, The Path of the Sun Grazer, written by Ethan Sachs, pencils by Will Sliney, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by Joseph Bino, and the cover is by E.M. Geist. So, uh, as always, you can buy this issue. There's a link down below in the description. And, um, yeah, definitely check it out. I haven't had a chance to read this particular issue yet, uh, but I've been really digging the Halcyon Legacy series. So, I'm really looking forward to how it wraps up. And I think, uh, you know, we're going to keep Halcyon... Uh, fever, so to speak, going with uh, Princess and the Scoundrel coming out um, soon here. So yeah, it's just it's a good time for that for that ship, I would say. Yeah. Except for maybe in in real life because the reservations have been down, like you know, uh, not as many reservations as they've been expecting. But in our fictional well, universe, on. it's been doing really good. That means yeah, go may- for it, may- Maybe that means that they've decided to uh, lower the prices soon if they're that's not what i'm hoping for traffic you know that's what i'm shooting everybody for too. let's hope for that if you're watching this and you're thinking about purchasing a trip to the halcyon hold off yeah because yeah. we need everybody to boycott it for a second so that we can like a season you know, just a season a so that can, yeah just a season right. yeah well, yeah 
you know, and spend that money <laughs> a on seasonal Patreon. boycott. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, save it's, your money. It's, it's, it's a boycott <laughs> because it's organized, but essentially we're just waiting for it to go on sale. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. We're being smart consumers, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leveraging our buying power. So, yeah, I am excited about the Halcyon Legacy. I read the first issue when it came out, and I actually really enjoyed it, but... Then I decided, you know, I'll wait till all five of them are out until the series is done so I can just read it all in an afternoon, can't get the full story. So I'm, I'm real excited. I didn't realize that uh, this has been a it's been a hot second since I looked at the cover. I'm like, oh, it's my boy Bosk, you know, everyone's favorite uh, Thrandoshan. Well, second favorite Thrandoshan. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for what's going on uh, in this series. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so Caleb, it looks like we do have an art of the week this week. Yes, we do. You want to tell us about that? Absolutely. This was a tough one. We had two great, great submissions, but this time I decide, just because I like the way the, uh, very specifically, I picked this one, uh, because the way the art, uh, moved across it. It's from Diligent Sloth. This one was from Mall 2000 by Pencils by the ever, uh, wonderful Jan Dursma, who's now back doing covers for The Mandalorian, uh, limited series, which is great. Oh, awesome. Uh, inks by, uh, Rick Mayagar and colors by Dave, uh, McCraig. Uh, this one is, you see, uh, Maul himself intimidating a Doug in the name of Palpatine. I just like how you there's a lot of great things like each uh, scene you can see like a real display of action a very cinematic quality especially in the uh in the bottom right corner you see the uh pendant there like dropping and falling onto the floor so you get cool. the, the the spiky symbol of the sith there in the background of uh the dark sun there uh spikes and uh yeah the background it's it's just a lot of uh, really great action going on you know red colorations intimidations action lines and it's not as apparent in some of her other work, but you do see some great flowy capes here. I was going to say, man, look at those uh, tunics, the ripples in yeah. the tunic. Uh, man, I love Dursima with every fiber of my friggin' being. Look at that Doug's nose tendrils flowing in the wind. Man, those look great. <laughs> nose tendrils. They look so what, what, good. Nose mustaches? M- fleshy stashes? <laughs> yeah. Fleshy stashes. Yeah. Like, that's a slippery slope for sure. I will shout out Eric in the chat. He's been making some great puns, but as he said, I really dug this panel. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a second to get it. It looks like Darth Maul's <laughs> picking his nose with his lightsaber, doesn't it? I thought so, too. I, or I thought he was like, giving him a nose ring or something. <laughs> maybe, you know? <laughs> maybe that's because I live with uh, two little girls who are just constantly picking noses. Uh, their own noses. Oh, God. But just constantly. It's just... That's, that's- that's way more wholesome than the scene from Chinatown I was thinking of. Just booger city up in here. And you're never going to have me back on the show after this. But uh, great oh, pick, oh, Diligent oh. Sloth. We love it. Yes, pick. thank you. No, we'll bring you back. You, you've, you've already ruined us with Naked Palps, so. Yeah, it can't go much worse than that. Exactly. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you were literally talking about it in the pre-show. The I, don't, birth nope, of a meme. I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. well, I wasn't there, but... We got some, so now we got the uh, great art of the week. Again, thank you, Diligent Sloth. You did a, that's a fantastic job. Thank you for everyone who submits their uh, artwork week after week. Uh, we're not, we do, we always pick our favorites, not our favorite person. So even if you've never submitted one before, whether it's a cover, a whole page, just a single panel, please hit us up on discord.com slash utini. Our little sub channel is the Cosmic Force uh, one. 
We always post our videos. We try to interact with our fans there. Just, you know, put some uh, artwork there. You know, one of these weeks, you may be shouted out on these uh, very hallowed halls of this show itself. So, Especially if it's a Legends pick and I'm on the show, exactly. I will yeah. make sure it gets on air. Exactly. Yeah, and I just realized, like, that pick was super serendipitous because, you know, it was drawn by Jan Dersima. And I didn't even put two and two together. You know, you're going to be on the show. Gives you an opportunity to talk about Jane. That's probably one of my top ten favorite Legends comics. Uh, that I don't. I've never read it. That early Darth. It's just a miniseries, so you can binge it in the evening. Uh, it's a uh, one of I think one of her earliest contributions to her Star Wars career. Two thousand. So I think that, that tracks there. You know, before uh, yeah. when her and Ostrander started the uh, the Republic series. Oh yeah, interesting. I'll I'll have to check that out. Goes really good with that new Darth Maul Shadow Hunter Essential Legends Collection audiobook read by Sam Whitmer. Oh, you yeah. could just uh, read this as a you know to to get hyped ahead of time, or read it afterward if you're looking yeah. for some more Maul. Whew, getting excited. Absolutely. Love Spe- it. Speaking of exciting things, we got some uh, notable things from the group as we like to tag day see what we're doing Star Wars wise here. So. Uh, Emma, you just simply say uh, here in bold uh, with a couple exclamation points something very exciting. Yeah, so actually, like, believe it or not, I left the thing. Okay, so it's going to be kind of like a, a show and tell. I left the thing that I was going to show downstairs. So, Caleb, I'm going to toss it to you. Okay. You two, you two, you two behave when I run, while I run downstairs. <laughs> yes, okay? Mom. All right, all right. Go for it, Caleb. <laughs> go, go, go. Well, okay, not too much, really. I don't know if I can talk about this. I hope you've run quick, but I finished The Lost Stars uh, by Claudia Gray. Her I love that you novel. said it with a definite article. The Lost the, Stars. The Lost Stars. <laughs> well, it, isn't it technically Lost Stars, a road to Star Wars, uh, you know, uh, you know Rise of uh, The Force Awakens? Journey to Star Wars, The Force Awakens, colon, Lost Stars. That sounds right to me. Exactly. I think that's how it actually is. So if I want to call it The Lost Stars, too bad. Knock it's yourself good. out. That's right. It, it's a great novel. It deserves our place in a foundational five. It's a great intro, as we like to say, to Star Wars. If you like, if you're if you've seen the movies and enjoyed them, and you want to get it a little deeper, it's this might sound a little sacrilegious, but it's a little kind of like a forced Gumpian ride through Star Wars. Oh, I can see that. You know, for how they kind of, we have our main characters in the background and highlights of major historical events. There's a lot of uh, good stuff there. Like, if you, I will say this again because we're a comic show, the manga version of it is actually really, really good. Like, there's, um, I can't tell if which one I like better. I feel like there's a couple moments in the uh, manga where it actually did it better. Like, the the character of uh, Wind Rider is actually way better. Like there's just they made like two changes and he's so much worse in in the um, manga. It's 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 brilliant. If you haven't read it, you know, hit me up. I'll tell you if you want me to spoil it. But there's just some great stuff. I love when Star Wars stories are adapted across different mediums. Mm-hmm. I love it. Speaking of which, next week, Dark Empire. There's an audio drama for Dark Empire that's very good. What? See how I just made this conversation about Dark Empire? You're welcome. <laughs> the, Lost Stars Lost Stars is great. I was thinking about it today. There was an, a Lost Stars Easter egg in a Star Wars thing I'm reading right now. That's coming out, I want to say. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to yet. And I was like, oh, we got some Lost Stars up in here. And then I spent like the next 30 minutes being sad that there's not a Lost Stars too. 
a Loster Sars. I think about that a lot. <laughs> okay, I did think about what would the title be if there was a Lost Stars two, Lost Stars yeah, two, Lost Harder. Loster Stars and then the, really and the trilogy is the Lostest Stars. <laughs> Lost. Wow. Uh, okay, Lost Stars three. We found him. Repeat. We found him. <laughs> I don't know. That's good. That's good. Working on it. All right. Well, I'll toss it back to me because I have uh, quickly sprinted up and down the stairs. Good job, um, Emma. Good, good. Thank you. I'm a little winded, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> so I, during last week's show, it was suggested, I don't know if anyone's going to remember this, it was suggested that I purchase something. Caleb, do you remember this? Uh, was it a toy? Because you showed, was it last week you showed off the, uh, no, 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 that was a couple of weeks ago when you showed off the, uh, your, the big toy you got from the uh, Star Tours. Oh, that was right. cool. So this is actually a comic okay. that I purchased during the show <laughs> last week. I haven't oh. even taken the plastic off of it yet, but I think you can see. <laughs> there it is. That, yes. There it is. Nice. I'm going to take the plastic the... off of it. Justin did, yes. <laughs> what a sleek cover. Yeah. When you showed off that uh, the Star Tours vehicle... <laughs> I literally pulled my bicycle over to pull out my phone to see what it looked like. <laughs> I love that so much, Jared. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, they protected my treasured item very well. Okay. I love Perfect. unboxings. Here it is. Oh, yeah. Mm, In wow. all its glory. It's so oh, shiny. Yeah. I love it. Oh, I need to, like, hang it or something. Like, find a way to hang this. Get, like, oh. a record frame. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Or, like, a shadow box or something, you know? There you go. Oh. I just, everybody knows how much I love this comic. I talk about it basically every show. And now I own a physical version of it. So For our audio listeners, have we said what it is? Amazon. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. uh, For our audio listeners, I bought the trade paperback of Mutiny at Moncala. So finally, I'm shocked I didn't have it yet. Everybody else was shocked I didn't have it yet. And during the show last week, I went on Amazon It said they only had one left. (laughs) And I was like, oh, gosh. I feel like like they always uh, say they only have one left. Now, my question is. It's probably a tactic. uh, now that you have this one, how long till you get the special uh, Leia uh, minifigure that comes with her outfit from that uh, cover? Oh, the Black Series? Yeah. It's on pre-order. Okay. It's on pre-order, yeah. So, we're just waiting on Amazon slash uh, UPS. <laughs> yes, that's that's correct. I don't. I think it comes out um, in, like, I actually think it comes out, like, next year, actually, like, early next year. Um and yeah, I mean, I've been canceling a lot of pre-orders lately just to like try to save some money, but I came across that one and I was like, I already have like three Leia Black series, but I still need it, you know? But, but that just means it's the start of your collection. You can't not see it all the way through, right? Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to need like all the Leia's, you know? I didn't know they had it. <laughs> so I'm really happy about that. And, figure uh, for that. That's cool. And the other thing too, um, soon, I, I don't know if anybody can see, so I've, I hung my uh, celebration uh what is it the lanyards up there like a while ago and you might notice that there's a new one up there uh and that's because in the mail i just got my tickets for fan expo boston oh yes um and that is uh next weekend so i'll still talk to you guys one more time before then uh but i'm really excited and i don't know i think i'll wait i think i'll wait to tell you what i'm doing there because i think it's gonna be a lot of fun uh I think there's going to be two Star Wars celebrities that I'm meeting and then one author oh, that fun. is going to be there. So uh, I'll wait and share all of that uh, when the day comes and it should be a lot of fun. My sister's coming with me, uh, even though 
she you know is not the biggest star wars fan uh but she she was hoping like when we got the tickets we got them like six months ago she was hoping that there would be some marvel people there there's no one from marvel <laughs> going so uh but we're gonna like shop around a little bit and see if we can find some some marvel funkos we actually have like a joint collection we just like pool money together and like mm. buy like our favorite characters funkos and we put it in like a little office that we share and yeah so it should be a lot of fun. That's the cutest Hopefully thing I've ever heard. Patient with me, because yeah, I know we we love it. We love it. So, uh, yeah, those are those are my two updates. Uh, um, Jared, what do you got for us? Well, now I'm sad that I don't live close to Boston anymore because oh, we don't have oh, those we gone together, kind of op- dude. Oh. I, ah, you're killing me. <laughs> but I do live close to a really really cool comic book store, and I went last weekend on my day off, and I went in search of I wanted to get a nice clean crisp copy of Star Wars number 25. Kind of a mm-hmm. monumental yeah. episode, you know, issue, all that good stuff. The Charles Sewell bad boy. Now, I chose to just get the standard cover because nice. I'm a Legends guy. I don't need to spend too much on canon. It is great. I was happy to get that. As soon as I walked out the store, you know what I realized? What you I realize? did not get the first appearance of Baby Yoda in oh. Mandalorian number one and we had somewhere yeah, else to be important. and I looked at my wife and I was like I'm gonna go back in and get it and she was like are you freaking kidding me and I was like I'll go another time I'll go another time so I did not do that in terms yes. of what I've been reading lately did enjoy uh, Star Wars 25 my Legends world just to rub it in Tyler's face a little bit been almost done with Luke Skywalker and the Shadows of Mindor is that a new is that just like an explosion behind him yeah so the entire book is wait for the round table on legends look back coming in 2027 uh, this book is is seriously <laughs> an enti- the entire book is a meme the entire <laughs> oh, book in like is a, meme. a good way so it's matthew stover the author of uh, revenge of the sith one of the greatest Star Wars writers who ever mm-hmm. lived. He basically flexed his writing muscle with this. Instead of writing something Shakespearean and profound like um, Revenge of the Sith, he wrote something wacky and ridiculous. So the entire book is an unreliable narrator story from Luke Skywalker recounting an adventure. But like maybe, and I'm not there at the end yet, I think my theory <laughs> is... This is actually an in-universe movie about the adventures of the Rebellion heroes and Luke Skywalker. So everything is at an 11 the entire time. And Luke is super, super heroic. And it is, and I could not say this seriously enough, bonkers. (laughs) Some harsh words coming here. It is just bonkers. And by the way, if Jerry calls something bonkers, that means it truly is bonkers, (laughs) because Jared has read some crazy stuff in Legends, okay? Yeah, it is. Anyway, I'm almost done with it. It's enjoyable, but ridiculous. All right. And finally- you don't even know what's going on is my favorite part. So, and that brings me back to the explosion. The explosion (laughs) is a meme. That's my theory. That it's not a serious cover. That it's like an action movie. Oh, that's interesting. It looks like an N64 game cartridge. Also, I've got another theory that the Luke Skywalker on this cover is actually the villain inhabiting <laughs> like Luke Skywalker's Luke body, which happens. The villain, what? yeah, body snatchers thing. So that's the crazy thing is that Luke Skywalker in the Shadows of Mindor, it's not actually Luke Skywalker on the cover. It's his 
corpse. It's his body, but it's not. Dude, what? It's it's a, it's a shadow of Mindor. It's ridiculous. All right, I got one more thing. This just for tonight's special episode. Ooh. I bought this at Star Wars Celebration. Are you ready for it? Yes. I- I'm here. I bought this tiny, tiny, oh my God. tiny, 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 tiny book. What is that? Where the heck did you That's find that? That's the first that? cover of the 77, but what is, like, what is that? <laughs> I bought this at the Inside Editions booth at uh, Celebration. Freddie and Emily and I were on a quest to find all the Legends things at Celebration, which was a really fun game to play. And <laughs> there wasn't a ton, but there was some. This yeah. is one of the things that I got. And it is um, the complete Marvel Comics covers, volume one, is what uh-huh. this is called. The complete Marvel Comics covers, volume one, and um, oh, looks like we lost your video. Too. Yeah, I will keep uh, describing it though while I work on it. Sure, <laughs> and let me know if I need to do something too. Okay. So yeah. this has all kinds of i don't know that it has every single one but like the covers of the classic marvel comics in it but they're seriously like two inches by two inches tall um it is it fits in the palm of my hand so it is a incredibly insanely tiny little collectible book and then it also it also moves into canon comics covers in the same volume as well which is really cool and um i bought i bought it for emily knowing that she um, doesn't actually collect a lot of big books because she moves a lot, but this was so small she right. could stick it in her purse. Yeah, my phone died, oh. so I'm going to try to fix it, Emily. Uh, Emma, you, you two just... That's okay. I'm setting up uh, I'm setting up one with just Caleb and I right now. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, sorry, folks, for like that big black, you know, little rectangle up there. I am quickly... I promise I tested my okay. stuff before I came on the show. No, no, I believe you. I believe the world you. couldn't no handle the cuteness it. of my tiny book. That's all that happened. I know. It he was tested. like, you want to see this charge. tiny book? Never mind. <laughs> Such a tease. All right, Caleb, here we go. All right. So, uh, with that, uh, we don't really have a show ad. I think we're working on that next. So, we'll you know, get some highlights. So, we'll be able to laugh at our funniest meme moments here again uh, soon. But we should be able to get into the uh, main topic now of what, as I said at the top of the show, the Star Wars 77 run. Uh, you know, we want to take a look at the past arcs from the very start of it. Uh, I don't think we're going to be getting into like major spoiler territory. I, you know, there's a lot going on in this uh, in this series, but you know what it's I mainly what I mainly focused on was like uh, about you know, issues like uh, 20 to 40 ish. Guess that's when it was. In the Wild West days, like uh, uh, the attack of the not the attack of the the attack of the clones <laughs> of the original trilogies wasn't even out yet. The uh, right. Empire Strikes Back was not there even in go. production, so there's a lot of like really wild stuff they have going on. So we got some fun issues we want to highlight, a couple of characters we want to talk about, and some other just general observations. So, um, Emma, have you uh, done any reading on this yourself? I've read some issues before. I haven't done any additional reading for this week. Um, but what I can say is that I did do some research on on Wikipedia. Also just did mm-hmm. some like general um, <coughs> random flipping through pages in uh, in Marvel Unlimited. And, you know, I, I find the art style to be extremely interesting. Oh, it's... Um, uh... 
I will it's, say it's good very, uh, in a fast. It's it's fascinating and good and interesting, but maybe not in like a Star Warsy way. In a kind of like a retro seventies sort of way. Yes, it's very very seventies. Um, the colors are very bright, and the other thing I notice um, with a lot of the art is that the characters are always like. <laughs> Very power of the forcey, right? So like, Super <laughs> they're heroic. like very muscular, uh, yes. buff, you know. Um, like stormtroopers so look like they like each stormtrooper looks like he would they could have been a background extra on Baywatch, like just yeah. huge broad <laughs> shoulders, like bulging muscles out of their uh, armor. Even yeah. Jackson, yeah, it's and and Jackson is, I mean, he is buff, like you know. So that, that's why it's super interesting and. Another thing that I remember, like from the one from the issues that I read, and also like the little bit of research that I did, is that the enemies are like they're goofy, you know. Like, um, I remember there was one issue where there was like it literally looks like Dracula, and standing next to him was what literally looked like a werewolf, and it just felt like really like um something like we would see here on Earth, and it felt weird to be in star wars you know what i mean that does um, make I, I think it's ironic the handful of really really good villains in this stand out and so agreed yeah when you finally get to a story arc that's like this is pretty good it's like this is amazing because the rest yeah. of it is very pulpy it's just like all right let's crank these suckers out um, yeah yeah i've seen so a you gotta have a before. few weak links to appreciate it all you that's know? right <laughs> exactly now speaking of villains one issue i wanted to that i was was reading it i was fascinated with and i really liked it a lot uh was uh, issue number 28 uh subtitled the cavern of the crawling death this wow one, that's a title <laughs> yeah this one, well it's it's even better than this one it, it features han solo and chewbacca versus jabba the hut yes this mm-hmm. was like jabba's like first like actual appearance in a star wars is medium. he a slug no he's like a monkey look that dude. is monkey jabba and i have a lot to say okay okay so we won't get too far into this one but i do want to say this i do want to say this i found it interesting that uh essentially the the plot is uh han solo and chewbacca have to like land a millennium falcon on a cavern on a planet as they like hold out against jabba's uh goons you know in a little protracted gunfight there there's some really fun like um moments of them taunting back to each other i did find there's one panel where you see like jabba like out in the rain yelling at han solo and you see a minion like behind him with like essentially a laser umbrella like you know vaporizing a laser all the- umbrella yeah it's like it looks like he's vaporizing all the rain that's falling down onto him so even though like this is not something like jabba's character hasn't been written in the canon yet like they are still like really playing up the ultra rich jerkwad yeah. here. Like that's something that Slug Jabba would absolutely do. Um, now, so- Jared, Jared, do you want to take a moment just while we're on the subject of Monkey Jabba? Monkey Jabba. Do, would you correct. like to to discuss? I have an image here. Okay. Yes. Here's the <laughs> scoop on Monkey Jabba. And much of my knowledge comes from John Jackson Miller himself. On one of his <laughs> earliest, one of the earliest episodes of The Living Force, John Jackson Miller, you guys, if every single listener of this needs to go back and find this, it is golden. Within the first two or three minutes of his first interview on The Living Force back in 2019, John Jackson Miller goes deep down the rabbit hole on Charles and Eric and Corey, and he goes off on a tangent about Monkey Jabba. That is golden. Uh, they are just speechless. They are floored. These boys, they're like, who have we brought on our show? Uh, 
he works in this character. His name is Moset Benid. Moset Benid, he... This is before the slug character is designed for Return of the Jedi. If you're a Gen Z like Emma, um, that scene <laughs> in episode four with Jabba and where uh, Han walks on his tail, that's, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. that's not in the original movie. So, I remember seeing like the, there's also a version where it had Jabba as just like a human with like a fur coat or something. I believe that's a deleted scene that then yeah. was dubbed over with the with, terrible with. CG Jabba. Don't get me started on it, but this in the original adaptation of uh, A New Hope, right, of Star Wars, this is Jabba. Jabba the Hutt with one T is monkey Jabba. He then is retconned all these years later to be Moset Benid, Jabba's stand-in, like his right-hand man. Oh, wait, is this the dude from the from the, uh, from the uh, Kenobi book? He's in Kenobi. John Jackson Miller works oh. in Moset Benid. He, no way. He goes and he's like, Oren Galt, you have done me wrong. And then Obi-Wan spills the coins all over the warehouse. And it's this character from this, from Star Wars 1977, Monkey Jabba, Moset Benid, boom, mic drop. Wild. Yeah. Oh, and I just had to look it up. Oh, the, the episode for The Living Force was episode 23 uh, of the, the series where they interviewed John Jackson Miller for our uh, fans out there. If you want to go back, it's The Living Force episode 23. He'll tell you everything you need to know about Monkey Jabba within the first five minutes. And then the reaction from The Living Force crew to like, where do we go from here? How do we get this interview back on the rails is spectacular. <laughs> I feel like I need to go back and watch this now. Yeah, you got to listen to it. It's pre-video days, but yeah. it's... Because if it was, if they'd have put up an image of Moset Benita, it would have broke the internet. Um, we'll see if it can handle what we just showed him. Absolutely. Um, this is, I can't really top that, but I, exactly. there's still a couple things I'd Where do you go from Monkey Java? This, this, this issue here, because there's still, there's some fascinating things, because uh, as I said, Han Solo and Chewbacca with the Falcon are trapped in a cavern, and they realize that the cavern is overrun with stone mites, which they say in the, you know, Han says, oh no, these things were genetically made during the Clone Wars. Uh, you know, oh. and that's, that's a fun, like, throwaway line, because, you know, Obi-Wan mentioned it, but now knowing what we do know, like, have these bugs, like, are genetically engineers to eat metal. And that's like one of those things that one of those sides in the Clone Wars would definitely have wanted a, a, a bug that ate only metal things. Oh. The Jedi? What? Like the Republic? Wait. That's crazy. Exactly. It, it does, you mean metal it, things? You mean they, metal they, things they, like Darth Vader? Uh, no, like like oh. droids. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh, they knew that even before, like they did. Well, okay, about what battle this droids is Caleb's they fan did. theory retcon, but it's good. Yeah, exactly, it's a fan <laughs> theory. It's a total retcon. There's zero way they knew that the Clone Wars was actually yeah. against a group of clone soldiers made by the Emperor versus a uh, a, a trade federation, you know, mainly made by battle droids, also working for the Emperor. There's no way they would have known that. But it's a fun little like it's weird how these things tie together. That uh, bug, a little buggy metal eating swarm would uh you know target only metal made creatures was used in the clone wars as they specifically said now here's another like fun thing it, it just got me uh it, it may not one-to-one ratio but there's a very exciting scene where they have where our crew has to repair their their ship really uh quickly as a giant swarm of bug creatures uh starts attacking them and the whole reason they've um 
crash landed there is because they had a run-in with the local law enforcement there. Now, you might be thinking, why does this sound familiar? I think this was... Why does it sound familiar? Episode 2 of The Mandalorian Season 2. Remember when he was stuck on the ice planet? Oh! Mandalorian does have some strong... Uh, old school Marvel Comics vibes to it. Yeah. There, there. I didn't write it down, but there's another like, uh, like four or five issues later. Uh, our heroes, our Star Warriors, return to Tatooine, and there's a scene where they uh, leave their spaceship, go into town, and they come back, and a star, and a Jawa sandcrawler's there, and their ship is completely disassembled by He's Jawas. It, it would not surprise me for one friggin' second if John Favreau uh, and Dave Filoni like these comics. Would oh, absolutely. not surprise me. No, it's, oh yeah, it, it would be yeah. more. It would be there. It'd be more surprising that they came up with this idea independently themselves. Like they right. absolutely must have, like you know, sat around like their. I would hope. I was about to say like their uh, conference table, but I just actually hope it was like a, a shooting room floor on the carpet, just uh, in their socks, just like pulling out all pull the out their Legos out of yes. <laughs> out of their Walmart bags. Really? Hey, you know, <laughs> wouldn't it be cool? Yeah, no, I won't try to do Dave. Sorry, Dave. Uh, anyway. <laughs> That's the thing. Almost. Yeah, it's, it's almost there. <laughs> exactly. So, no, I need my was... hat. I could have done the impression if I'd have had my hat. Right. Right. <laughs> Issue 28, if you want like a weird like you know, uh, thing that ties into so much more than you thought it would, episode uh, issue 28 of the uh, 77 run. It's just like a fascinating microcosm of what that series was about and like yet still plays into the greater Star Wars universe. And I know about the uh, Jabba the Hutt versus Jabba the Hutt thing yeah yeah monkey java with one t and then Jabba the hut is a slug later but they didn't know and they had the name and that was what was crazy about this series there were so many of those liberties taken that obviously once the universe really got to cooking they had to say you know what let's put all of those old marvel comics kind of on the back burner and we'll never reference them except for every now and then <laughs> Except we'll for something. like like forty when we years, want, yes. except for forty years later, when we're uh, when we're rebooting and and making some of the best Star Wars content, we'll actually steal a bunch of ideas from this. That's right. Which is All so right. fascinating, honestly. When you think about it, like I I wonder if they thought when they were writing and drawing these comics, I wonder if they thought this is going to be relevant forty years later, like I even did, in the even in the slightest way. You know what I mean? I, I, I highly doubt it. I. Like yeah. I think they were, I think they were writing about as far ahead as their nose was, just like constantly uh, putting yeah. things out. Uh, so that was one of my ones I really wanted to talk about. Jared, did you have a couple you uh, wanted to highlight here? Yes. Now a couple that I read in preparation for this episode we'll get to in the character centric section. However, a couple that we won't necessarily get into in great detail then would be the very first arc after the adaptation of the original film. This story arc is called Eight for Aduba Three. and Star Wars issues numbers seven through eight. This – here's the ridiculous thing. I've, I've heard like Trevor and Jose talk about this in Star Wars archives, but reading it and seeing it with my own two eyes is a whole other thing. The oh, yeah. very what's that? No, I I remember reading this from my local library when I was like, uh, must have been like ten or twelve. Like they had a collection of like the early Star Wars there, so I read this like a couple times before my teenage years were even upon me. the The crazy thing is the very first Star Wars expanded universe story in the comics. So not counting like the original novelization or Splinter of right. the Mind's Eye, the very first story to advance. 
the story of Star Wars before the Empire Strikes Back comes out introduces Jackson. The very first story introduces Jackson. I love that he's still relevant all these years later. So this story is basically, uh, Caleb, you said it's an adaptation kind of of a Kurosawa film. What is it? Uh, The the Seven Samurai was the original uh, Kurosawa film, but then it was remade here in the States as the Magnificent Seven. I think even uh, uh, Roger Corman did like a sci-fi version of it too, like, you know, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to have to Google this, but yeah, it's it, it is a very classic uh, tale of you know down on your luck uh, street tusks warriors uh, are hired out by a local uh, village who is being raided by bandits, so they uh, hire a bunch of mercenaries to try to protect themselves. Yeah, that's that's this, but Han Solo goes off, Han and Chewbacca go off alone on a mission, and then they find themselves. It's kind of crazy. There's like a religious controversy, which I enjoyed. There's a there's a priest. Oh, because of the droids. Yes. <laughs> oh, actually, I think I've read this. I kind of remember it. Like it sounds familiar. Yeah. There's almost like a joke of what happens if Han Solo and a priest and um and a bantha <laughs> and a a monkey looking bear, which is Chewbacca. He looks just like a monkey. Oh yeah. Uh, in these stories i would almost going to say like really off model but like that's the model they were using so i can't really say they're not so these are some of my (laughs) notes a lot of the old crusty farts look fantastic so uh vader looks dope in the series tarkin looks fantastic um they really nailed biggs's mustache i think because it was the 70s and Mm, people really really loved mustaches um also, Jacob. Jacob loves his mustache, and nothing wrong with that. All right, uh, but all of the young guns—Han and Luke, Luke and Chewie—look rough. <laughs> rough. They look like they've seen some stuff. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> and you'll feel like you've seen some stuff. Some stuff after this. And so, yeah. in this series, in this it's it's very much an out of the frying pan into the fire kind of western thing. On goes into mm-hmm. a town, gets in a bar fight, and. Then he has to recruit this team of ridiculous whippersnappers. I mean, you've got the the Futurama droid, but oh, on, yeah, yeah. on tank treads, and he tries to go up the stairs. <laughs> Kid you not. This is in the first 10 issues of Star Wars ever oh, uh, made in the history of Star Wars comics. A porcupine. They recruited a porcupine. Yes, the the porcupine is dope. Don't you talk bad about my uh, my porcupine? Now, boy. now, like, did I actually read this? I would have remembered a porcupine. He's, right? <laughs> okay, but he's like a bear, but he has porcupine quills, he has, and he uh, says, and I quote, "I don't need blasters when I've got my quills." And he shoots him at <laughs> he the bad guys the at the dinosaur, yeah, the dinosaur like, that shoots the freaking laser beam out of its head. And I'm not joking. This is real. No, he's not. This is the, all No, I know. I feel like I've read it, but now when you're describing it, it kind of <laughs> sounds like you have taken some substances. No, they were on the substances. It's not me. That's the point. That's how this right. series the got made. Maybe. It's just the 70s. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. not to besmirch yeah. our great heroes. Uh, we love this stuff. We we make fun of it in jest because we love it. And right. I genuinely, exactly. genuinely, genuinely fell in love with the series while reading it in preparation for this episode because when I think that the series is over, when I think that this first storyline with Han going to the town and there's there's uh, the crew and then the the bandits, when I think, oh, they've done it. Congratulations. They've defeated the enemy. It's the end of the big final battle. Boom. The wizard unleashes the behemoth from the earth 
And Emma, do we have the picture of my dinosaur with his laser beam head? Oh, yes, I think so. I'm very proud to get to make the joke that they've got friggin' laser beams on their heads. Here, Here we go. Yep, there it is. And then the rest of the issue is everybody fighting the dinosaur with the friggin' laser beams on its head. I, I, if, if you don't see the image, if you look at the bottom, you see Chewie looking at Han with the most, like, reserve, like, what the hell have He's you like, got yo, me? what is going like, on? My life debt got me in some weird stuff, man. I don't like this. That was me looking at Emma after I had to read these in preparation for this episode. Yeah, yeah. He's like, what did you... I mean, to be fair, Jared, like, um, when you look back at it, I read some weird stuff for Legends Look Back, man. It's about time I made you read something weird. This has got to be way weirder than anything I've ever made you read. Uh, she's or Agreed, notwithstanding. Although you did introduce me to she's or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking about. <laughs> she's or notwithstanding. Um, it, yes, it's a yeah. truly delightful arc. Honestly, in it, um, it you've got to kind of get into the feel with the dialogue. It is so incredibly wordy. So incredibly mm. wordy. It almost yes. feels like it was written by somebody in the 1940s, you see, here? Uh, it, it almost has that feel. I think that's my problem with it. Like, I can't get into it because there's so much reading. And I know that sounds incredibly lazy, but it's like it makes the pages look busy, I guess. Oh, yeah, so much so. But mm, if you yes. can get into the art style and the writing style and the conceit of it all, which, mind you, are three just tremendous hurdles to have to get past... If you can get into it and immerse yourself and go with the flow, which is what's required, um, it actually has some great stuff. So in this first arc, and we can move on, Han mentions skipping Sunday school. This happens in Star Wars number seven. (laughs) There's Sundays in Star Wars. Not just Sundays, but church. (laughs) And church, yeah. And Han's like, I shouldn't have skipped Sunday school, Chewie. And Chewie says, yarg. And um, then... At the end of it, Han has learned a lesson about prejudice. And she makes this great point about, like, not judging people. And um, he's evolving, you know? The rest of my notes, Chewie absolutely incinerates this fool with his bowcaster. Just just absolutely, (laughs) not just blows him up, but disintegrated him like uh like boba fett right and jared you've got multiple like quotes of the year going and here. then <laughs> and then chewy at the party gets all the girls it's it's got some yeah. great stuff i love that i love that yeah. so much he deserves it <laughs> yeah that's a lot and so oh, there's some other there's man. some other really good storylines i read i think the series picks up overall around the 50s um issues 51 and 52 oh, wow. are, are leaps and bounds better in terms of feeling more like star wars so that's a super weapon story called to take the tarkin um leia and a team of rebels infiltrate a super weapon which is cool and uh spoiler alert for this 45 year old story leia reprograms the ionizer and makes the entire battle station blow up it, so nice. it's kind of cool that Leia Leia blows up the Death Star this time, right? Um, and so it, it's it's actually leaps and bounds better in terms of feeling like Star Wars. And so when Mary Jo Duffy comes on the later in the run, around eighty, um, what I read, those were a lot better as well. So it did progress with time, despite having some iffy bits here and there. Exactly. Yeah. Like it, it is wild how much the series can kind of waver in terms of quality, even in these early issues here. Like, in our fun one, just because you brought it up, I wanted to 
we decided to mention it. Uh, issue 30, the, the subtitle, A Princess Alone, is all about, it's a literally a solo adventure of Princess Leia on a factory world as she goes across it, you know, shooting stormtroopers, like instilling, uh, you know, trying to uh, make contact with a local group of rebels. It's just kind of a fun one-off story where, as I said, it's all about Princess Leia just doing her own uh, adventure here. And That's it, awesome. I, it, it kind of has a, you know, a clunky effect well-meaning like narrative about like planting the seeds of hope like when she leaves the uh, planet she's talking to her driver it's like but you didn't actually do anything it's like well but i talked to the people and i you know made content and reminded them that there are people fighting the empire and like it, she ends like you know the most important thing we can give these people is hope and it's like that's huh. good i didn't i didn't realize that was such that a big good, theme yeah. that they were already picking up on back then there's a lot of stuff in the series where i'm thinking like this is so ridiculous and it's the color scheme is just like more of a a 70s marvel superhero comic than it is star wars and the writing is just ah uh, it's so it's not the tone of star wars and then there's so many bits where i'm like this is just you just copy pasted a classic sci-fi villain story over my star wars but then just about every single issue i got frustrated with came back around with a little nugget like that caleb exactly um just a little nugget to kind of tease, tease, tease my star wars side a little bit that's right i love now that. i mentioned I the old so crusty farts before we move on uh it's <laughs> one i forgot to mention Oh boy. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, Ben looks Oh, that's right. Looks, that's right. Looks great when he's just being his old wizardy self, giving advice and looking down on Han Solo. But there's one panel in particular <laughs> with Obi-Wan that's uh, a little different. A little different. So, All right, are we ready for this? Yeah, no. <laughs> this, ladies and gentlemen, is the immolation of Obi-Wan Kenobi. This is. Uh. When Obi-Wan gives up the goat and, you know, that classic scene in the movie, right? Right. The classic scene where he looks at I mean, Vader. you all remember that, right? He looks at Vader and he says, um, what does he say? I'll become, strike me down, Darth, and I'll become more powerful than you ever imagined. And then he whoosh, disappears. Vader strikes him down, but it's an empty robe. He steps on it a couple times, picks up the lightsaber, and walks away. And he's like, oh. And you hear Luke going, no. There's no body. Well, in the comic, tell the good folks what we're looking at here. Okay, let me try. Um, So it, it, it is a point of view shot of, of uh, from Vader. So you see his, <laughs> his arms coming into the bottom of the part of the frame as he's holding his l strawberry flavored lightsaber. Because that's not red. That's, that's strawberry ice cream flavored lightsaber coming out. As it hits an Obi-Wan and I, the onomatopoeia, the, 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 the sound it makes is Zrak. As That's right. A very good one. A, yeah. A T-posing <laughs> Obi-Wan who is bursting into orange flames, it looks like. And it looks like it looks like they did the artwork on a pane of glass and then like mushed it with their finger. <laughs> and he's kind of making the scream face or the home alone yeah. the home alone face. There it is. Like, oh, He's, she zoomed in on it. No. Exactly. Oh, Lord. Like, this is like a freaking Van Gogh painting. Or like you, the Edward Monk's The Scream. Like, it's just, it's wild. It, it almost, like, reminds me of some, like, weird, like, crucifix art. Because Obi-Wan is clearly T-posing here as he's yeah. being, like, firebirded. Like, uh, you know, here. And, like, the artist must have you know, read the thing, yo. 
Obi, you know, Darth Vader strikes down Obi Wan and he disappears. He's like, that's not cool enough. No, no, I'll exactly. Show you disappearing. <laughs> There's yeah. not enough fire. <laughs> yeah, he just bursts into flame, in instantaneously bursts into flame when the lightsaber strikes him. Even Obi Wan's lightsaber is strawberry flavored. It's exactly. yeah. Every, everybody, everybody. I mean, listen. That is the only good flavor in any hard candy. Can we all just say? I mean, of course. So, of course, they both have strawberry flavored lightsabers. Exactly. Oh, unless well, you know. Well, maybe since Vader's the villain, he this is actually cherry flavored. I am glad that I had the chance to show that off in some form or fashion. Yeah. Though, apologies to I, everybody who had to stare at that. No, I'm exactly. happy. I'm happy that this was, you know shown somewhere i mean more people need to see they do more i agree more people need to see this (laughs) yeah definitely definitely go out and buy your local uh you know 40 year old comic today yeah exactly exactly so i think uh i think next we want to talk about a few characters who showed up in this comic and then reappeared this is a really interesting list that caleb and i threw together caleb you want to kick us off here yes yes uh this one in no particular order this this was the one that started me thinking about it uh in the uh, middle part of this series well early middle part like around issue 20 they introduce a character called orman tag and the rest of the the uh, tag family Uh, tag general tag was one of the um bridge officers on the Death Star who blew up. I think he was the one, was he the one who said, you know, uh, who got originally choked out by Vader? You know, I think that was one. If, of the, uh, if it is, that is not the same man. <laughs> no, it's not. It's his brother. <laughs> oh, 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 I got you. I got you. Yeah. Yes, that you're correct. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. You know, you know, the, yeah, the, yeah. the, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the first one that he chokes out, you know, I, you know, uh, the, the one with the red hair. Anyway, him, he gets, uh, he, he is expanded on because I guess they liked his family name. So they introduce, uh, first Ormond tag here, uh, as well as several of other brothers and sisters. He's kind of a major antagonist for this, uh, first part of the series. Kind of as a lesser Vader. He's wielding a, he himself wields a lightsaber because he's obsessed with defeating Darth Vader. Cause as you, for those, uh, watching along, you'll see that, uh, Ormond here has a kind of a wacky looking, blacky looking pointy uh headgear over his eyes because he was blinded <laughs> by vader i guess you know kind of a proto Jordy laforge from star trek uh anyway he was blinded by vader so he's now obsessed with trying to overpower and defeat vader uh one-on-one mano a mano via lightsaber wow uh so you know it's kind of a uh, fascinating because he uh the rest of these uh tag family uh show up in the uh, 2020 Doctor Afra run by um, Alyssa Wong, yeah, and if he like his, this character really only appeared during the uh, Bosch, uh, you know, one shot there with his family, and but his character design was almost exactly the same. He still had the yeah. wacky, lucky eye gear here. The rest of the other characters, like Silas Tag, like their character designs are almost one to one. Like it, you can clearly tell which Tag members are which in the new series. So it's fascinating that they're bringing along. Domina Tag. Is that his sister? That's his sister, yes. And yes. she does, like, she kind of made a, a surprise appearance there. I won't say too much because I think it's actually like a, a minor like, oh, okay. twist in there. She's, but, like, yeah, she's in these she, comics. She's in the Valence run. Um, somewhere along the line in the Valence exactly. storyline. Yeah. yeah she's, oh, I don't she's, remember that. She's That's a cool. major player in the previous and in current canon, like, probably far more so uh, because it's it's fun to have a female villain in Star Wars. 
Uh, but there might be more of that later. Right, Jared? Yeah, I've got more to say about that Valence run. It is... Exactly. Oh, and another female villain. Oh, I see uh-huh, what you're doing. You're uh-huh, teaming yeah, me up. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting there. Oh, I'm ready good. Exactly. But we're not, <laughs> you know, just want to, you know, talk a little bit more. Uh, is, you know, we got some questions here. Like, is it too convenient for a non-force wielder to use a lightsaber? I don't, like, in this part of canon, I don't think they've really been established as, like, lightsabers are only weapons for Jedi. They're weapons of Jedi. So, but I think it's fun almost like as weird as this sounds like as a power scaling sort of thing for Luke to have lightsaber battles against uh, with a, a fellow or an enemy lightsaber user who isn't Darth Vader. That's right. They had to have that. That's why Lumaya's light whip is really cool. It provides uh, a, a really cool hand-to-hand combat uh, kind of puzzle for Luke to figure out. There's another character from that first arc that I talked about with... Um, Oh, with eight from a Duma three who has a lightsaber, which I totally forgot. And I'm really glad we brought up. It's like Don Whoa. Juan Quixote. Don Juan Quixote is his name. Yes. And he wears what? a suit of armor, just straight up medieval knight armor. And yes. he has a friggin lightsaber. But everybody pokes fun at him. They're all like, Don Juan, what are you going to do with that lightsaber? I know you're not a real Jedi, right? And he's like, I am of the order of the Jedi Knights and I will slay the beast myself. And he goes oh out goodness. and takes on the dinosaur by himself. They're like, <laughs> hold on. He can't do this. Don't let him do this. And so then like Han jumps in, and he freaking takes the lightsaber from Don Juan Quixote. I'm not making this stuff up. So it actually, I think, Caleb, employs this trope really well, having multiple other characters wield lightsabers. It just makes the series more interesting. They kind of poke fun at it a little bit. So, so uh, that was something that I actually thought was successful in the series yeah that, that's a good point i i wrote the question honestly because it, it i think in in like canon star wars lightsabers don't seem to be that common you know unless you're a jedi um like we don't just see you know random people carrying around lightsabers i guess and so i was kind of shocked at the amount of people i saw in the 77 run carrying lightsabers although i guess at that point we didn't have all the different weapons that you have in like canon star wars now so you know it was hard to you know be more creative i suppose so i mean i i think they did it i i, I agree jared I, I think that they they did it well because they made sure to tell the audience like hey these people cannot use the force they just have a lightsaber you know like it was you always knew where you stood with that i guess exactly right. We have another question here. Is uh, Ormantag one of the best antagonists of the series? Not by a long shot. Not in the slightest. <laughs> no. He's, uh, like, as I said, in the new current canon, they re relegate him to be a, a second banana to his sister. And I don't, and, you know, as much as Star Wars Twitter and Star Wars fans like to get upset about, you know, various rewrites of things, no one cared. No one said, oh, my favorite character, Ormantag, is being, like, downgraded. No one even noticed. Dominus a little bit more conniving he's a little bit more brutish um there's some there's some pretty decent villains there's some pretty mustache twirly ones uh, such as the next one here crimson jack aka oh, oh, crimson jack. i am proud of myself because I, I this is a wow this is a callback to layer in the issue because issue five of the halcyon legacy came out and i remember reading issue one and i saw 
this character here. Uh, you know, <laughs> Look spoiler, at his warning. <laughs> spoiler warning. Crimson Jack, aka Redbeard, is a pirate that uh, antagonizes Han Solo in a couple of issues here. But now, in the framing story for the Halcyon Legacy, he is a pirate who is attacking that uh, ship. And I remember reading that. I'm like, wait a second. They're bringing back Crimson Jack. What wait, the it's heck? The same guy? No way. <laughs> that is the and same you, guy. Yes, and I remember Caleb messaged us. And was like, guys, did you notice the Legends reference in the Halcyon Legacy? And we were all like, uh, no. Can you can you clue us in? Exactly. He's like, it's Crimson Jack, and we all like had to look up on Wikipedia who the heck that even was. Oh, and awesome! Yeah, in the very so Jared, first. Did you recognize him? No, but it makes sense now because I've oh. read the, that issue. It's been a while of Halcyon Legacy. It's yeah. the very beginning of issue seven. It's like one of the very first scenes after the adaptation of Star Wars, Crimson Jack. Busts up into the Millennium Falcon while Han is counting his credits. He's like, <laughs> 1,000 coins, 2,000 coins, three. All right, Chewie, <laughs> drinks are on me tonight. Oh, no, somebody's breaking into the ship. And it's <laughs> it's this pirate. It takes all his money, and he chooses to leave Han Solo alive. And the point is like, uh, we might need to steal money from him again in the future. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. It's so well, that's cool. That's a cool appearance. I, I, I did also, not catch that. I also want to, yeah, yeah. It's really, I also, I, I want to point out how 70s this outfit is. Like, <sighs> I mean, Emma, could what, you describe it to our viewers that listening yes. along? Yes. What if I told you yeah. I unironically dig it? <laughs> I mean, you know, you love what you love. I'm not going to judge. Um, <laughs> okay, so what we are looking at here is a very ginger man. Uh, you know, he's. <laughs> <laughs> Love that you said that as yeah. one word, Ginger Man. Ginger Man. <laughs> ginger Man, yes. Um, he has very ginger hair and a very full looking ginger beard. It reminds me of my friend from college we called Sir Nathan the Red. <laughs> Is that because he had? Yeah, hair? yeah, exactly. Look, just That's like awesome. this, but not buff. That's hilarious. Yes, he he's also very buff. Yes, um, he's wearing a, I think it's black but it's outlined with blue so maybe it's so black that it almost looks blue to the eye it's like a i would i would describe it as like a superhero outfit in that it it looks oh boy um it's got shoulder pads shoulders yeah he's got shoulder pads um but but there's no sleeves or anything so it's 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 sleeveless with pointy shoulder pads with a turtleneck and then the the bottoms yeah describe that emma yeah, that looks like uh, it looks like a woman's swimsuit bottom. Uh, uh, how, like, here, here's the best description. It's a you know how his, we, we mentioned his arms don't have uh, sleeves. Well, neither do his legs. It, his pants don't have <laughs> sleeves either. There's there's no sleeves on those pants. But um, a big belt buckle, which is rad. They outline his his you know yeah, it's good. And the biggest friggin' holster you've ever seen. Yes, it's... you can tell he got it just to show off. You know, make up for something else. The holster seriously goes all the way from his hip down to his knee <laughs> and uh oh, armbands like russell westbrook armbands. i mean it is really yeah it's it's a look yeah. it, he's, uh, he's ready to go you know it, it almost looks like he's a scuba diver who gave up halfway through getting dressed <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah yeah he's like yeah. i'll keep the and these guys and around him i don't know who they are but they are equally very 70s <laughs> they are. somehow they never once for a second caught my eye until you said that 
<laughs> one of, that's so funny yeah they, they at first I, little... I looked at the green guy i was like is that peter pan bro like who is that <laughs> buff peter pan with a yeah, bandolier with wrapped gun. around his shoulder that's right yeah yeah, yeah with a machine oh. gun <laughs> <laughs> wow how about that marvel comics oh, everybody man. so crimson yes. jack canon again cool didn't know it yeah yeah very interesting um and then the next one i mean i feel like we've talked about this a lot but it's really worth mentioning again uh that jackson the Leppy, mm. uh made his debut um in the marvel 77 run i couldn't find a high-res image of him from the 77 run so we're just gonna have to use this one it does from not Star exist Wars adventures uh yes it does not exist if it's not on the google <laughs> <laughs> there's a really rad and, uh, shot in his first appearance though where he does a double like a donkey punch uh oh, the ultimate punch that. both hands yeah. and both feet um love it well makes yeah, he makes I a mean, lot of little one-liners which is cool yeah lots of one-liners um He's kind of a badass, but you don't expect it. Um, he tries to <laughs> he's flirt. Also, sometimes super clumsy. He's, you know? he's a big flirt. There's a one of the ladies on the team. Yeah, I was about to say, like he he winds up teaming up with the girl of the team, the the eight from a duel. Amazing. Oh, you know? Yeah, I said they had they had all the your great characters: the porcupine, the knight, the <laughs> droid, and the girl, <laughs> and the bunny. She's she's the most competent out of all of them. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. <laughs> the porcupine, the knight, the bunny, and the girl. <laughs> it was it was every great seventies team, you know. <laughs> oh my god! Oh it's my like, gosh. oh wow, yeah, wow, that's amazing. So, anyways. <sighs> yeah, um, he doesn't have like a huge presence in Legends, to be honest. He's only in five other issues um, besides issue eight. Uh, but he was brought back in canon. Um, he first appeared in the Stars Adventures annual in 2018. And he appears in several other issues of IDW Comics, um, including uh, starring in the Ghost of Vader's Castle miniseries. He also had his own story in... From a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back, which was really neat. Um, and he is always, always in canon, written by Jackson superfan uh, Kevin Scott, um, which I, I love that he was like, you know what? I love this super obscure and random character, and now I have the power to bring him back. So let's just do it. I I, I think I would do the same, you know? I wrote the Jackson collection for Utini.com. and. Nice. I did it shortly after, maybe right before the Star Wars Archives episode all about him, in which Jose fell in love with Jackson. Yeah. And then yeah, they ran off together to start a life together. But uh, in it, uh, <laughs> I quoted an interview with Kevin Scott from Living Force, according to author interviews from Living Force tonight, which is weird. In it, they ask him about Jackson, and and his quote is, and it is the most endearing thing I've ever heard on a podcast in my entire life. Sweetly into the microphone, Kevin Scott says, "I love that green rabbit." <laughs> <laughs> and that's the that's the featured quote in the piece. It's a direct quote. Oh my god! No way, Jared. That is amazing. I, I didn't know that. I also love him, uh, and I think yeah. For me, I did not read these growing up. Uh, I've read them some sparingly in recent years, but my history with him is him being. Um, poked fun at in the 2015 reintroduction of the Marvel Star Wars, you know, they made like 40, maybe a hundred 
variant covers for oh, yes. Star Wars that's, 20. I wanted, right. I wanted to yeah. bring this up because he his first canon appearance is on a cover, one of those variant covers where you see him desperately like trying to peek oh, in that's through right. like, a door of where all the art characters totally are desperately that. barring it against his passage. So yeah, the joke is, hey, Marvel's doing Star Wars comics again. Are they going to bring back Jackson? So all the main characters are closing the door on Jackson. They're like, shh, don't tell him that we're in here, which is hilarious. But he's back! And the way that Kevin describes him as this character that nobody takes seriously, as kind of representative for somebody who nobody believes in and yet has something to bring to the table, is is kind of beautiful. And I'm on board with it. I think he's been treated with a lot of love and respect and humor in Kevin's reintroduction of the character. And with all of that in mind, when I go back and read his appearances in these comics, it's one of the things that works for me. Is he's so extra, he's so ridiculous. Um, him hitting on Amaza throughout the battle. They're like, mm-hmm. right punch, left hook, ultimate punch, what? double kick. Hey, Amaza, you want to go get some drinks later? yeah. No, Jackson, <laughs> you're a rabbit, I'm a woman. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's so <laughs> ridiculous. Have you ever seen the documentary, uh, Who Killed Roger Rabbit, or Who Framed Roger Rabbit? She yeah, says, yeah, right? she says uh, if people saw us together, they would talk. <laughs> <laughs> It's so goofy. Oh my goodness. I mean, but but in a good way, you know. Like, I I think I don't think. I mean, unless you're super toxic, right? But I don't think many people look back on that and think like, oh, it completely ruined the series for me. You know, it was just like one little, you know. People kind of hated court. him. I I think when they thought back to the the Marvel series, I heard a lot of in the early to mid two thousands. Oh, that's the series with that rabbit. I think he's redeemed his reputation a little bit within the fandom, mm. and rightly so. Um, I think, however, that it only works in comics, and not in every agree. comic. Most of the Dark Horse stuff is a little edgier, a little, you know, yes. grittier, 90s. and uh, So, yeah, there's the image. Beautiful. Yes. Hello, anybody? I can hear you breathing. And... Uh, <laughs> And it looks so realistic too. It's kind of creepy. It's like, like, <laughs> like, like scary. Like human human Jackson is. I'm glad with the art direction that they've taken with the uh, with the uh, current comics of having him a little more cartoony. I'm, I agree. That's, that that's agree. that's a good way to uh, to put Jackson. Now, um, well, we, I, I, like you, you have the perfect transaction. But is there anything else we want to say about Jackson? You know, is he was he too silly? Is he just silly enough? I think he's just silly enough. I think. Star Wars can do a lot when it takes itself um, with a bit of a grain of salt and can uh, play into the, like, especially like he's like an, the embodiment of the 70s camp of Star Wars, which I'm glad the series didn't wholly embrace. But there's still mm-hmm. elements of there of like that the camp, the like good versus evil, just like very classic storytelling. So seeing Jackson as like a representation of that mm-hmm. is is a lot of great. Uh, it's it's great. I really like Jackson. Yes, him being back in canon is is an amazing, amazing sort of thing. It's like I love the the sixties Batman show. Mm, Unironically, capital L, love it. Adam West, yes. But I also love some dark and gritty, moody. Where do the other drugs go? Kind of Batman. So, um, (laughs) in the same way, I like my Star Wars when it's it's uh, legacies. You know, this uh, edgy. 
protagonist who's <laughs> doing drugs and taking names, but then I also we don't endorse, endorse drugs here on the show. Correct. Uh, but a very edgier version. It can exist alongside this. They can why not? Yeah. Why not both? Why not both? Exactly. Yeah, why not both? You know, there's a little bit of something out there for everyone, and if Jackson's not for you, that's okay. There's way more content without Jackson than there is with him. <laughs> that's very, so. very true. <laughs> you know, on the opposite end, we have Jackson DeLepe, and yeah, if we want to talk dark and gritty and someone who was originally introduced yeah. in the old canon and re-brought back in, there's yes. no better poster child than uh, Barrett Valance. And there's freaking Jackson They're on the cover. They're in the same oh, issue, goodness. that's right. Yeah. Star Wars yeah. number 16. Yep. Well, I I did pull this image because holy smokes, you guys! What am I looking at? Look. His skin is melting off. It's it's fake skin. It's fake skin. It's okay. Well, yeah, it's but still, that's disgusting. It's it's pretty rough. Like for those of you, you mean who don't rad? Know, it's rad, is what it is. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty cool. I guess we did it. <laughs> I feel like we, we did an entire episode on this episode fifty nine, not too long ago, about Valence in the Terminator franchise about the covers here but yeah valence is a is a human cyborg and he's but it's not about relations he's just a cyborg he um is a bounty hunter he uh he shows up as a guy with massive chip on his shoulder he shoots every droid he sees even when he doesn't have to uh some of fascinating uh character work they've done him with him with uh personal sacrifice but he is now back in canon, uh, starring alongside Han Solo. Cap uh, has, has stealthily introduced him without saying his name in the uh, Imperial Cadet arc, and then they finally yeah. brought him in for the lead of the whole Bounty Hunter series. Yeah, yeah that, that, this is true. Um, it was really interesting, kind of, you know, when the Bounty Hunters um, series started, I went and read the uh, issues with Valence from 77, uh, and the first issue from 77 he appears in is number 16, um, and he only appears in three other issues. So, again, not a whole – he's similar to Jackson, not a whole lot of uh, of pre-existing Legends content on him. But still, I mean, you know, fertile ground for, for a lot of stories. You know, and like you said, you know, he first appears in canon in Han Solo, Imperial Cadet. At that point, we weren't exactly sure who he was, but you know, obviously, obviously, he bore like a resemblance to uh, to Valence. But I, I don't, I'm not sure if anybody noticed. Um, and so the backstory is basically in the Hansel Imperial Cadet uh, miniseries uh, for Valence, where basically he goes to the Imperial Academy with Han Solo. Uh, Han Solo saves him from like a horrible, horrible accident. Um, and basically has the cybernetics as a result of that accident, um, but goes through his life feeling like he owes a debt to Han Solo, which then creates a really interesting uh, story for the future because a lot of his ventures um, has him crossing paths with Han Solo again. Um, some other uh, canon comics that he's in, uh, Target Vader, Bounty Hunters, War of the Bounty Hunters, Crimson Reign, and more recently in Darth Vader, the 2020 run. Um, so I, I think that he's a super you know interesting character. They've been using him a ton in canon. Um, I think that this is probably... Well, I don't think it's probably. I think it's, you know, you can't argue that this is the best character converted from the 77 series to canon. He is absolutely the most successful in terms of... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, screen time, screen time, you know what well, I mean, like page, page time, time and yeah, all that. And um, 
yeah, I, I no. think uh, I, I really enjoy enjoy Valence. But but one thing that I was thinking about when I was writing about Valence in the show notes is that we are getting a lot of Valence right now. He was, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, you know, some of the older and by older, I mean, they were like five years ago um, series like Han Solo, Imperial Cadet and uh, Target Vader. But everything else has started in 2020 or after. So two years ago or later. So is he being overused right now? Uh, that That is my question. I personally say yes, but... <laughs> I saw that, that one coming. <laughs> yes, but, I, but, you know, that being said, the reason I'm asking this question is not because I need to share my thoughts on it. It's because I, I really want to know what you guys think. Uh, I would say no, just not at that point. Not quite yet. Now, keep in mind, I, I haven't, like, gotten caught up on recent canon. I'm kind of playing mm-hmm. and get ahead so I can kind of make a big leap and kind of catch it forward. So maybe after I read all the more recent comics, I'll probably be like, ugh, too much valence, spoil soup. But I, um, I think he's being used the right way. I did like one of the more recent uh, Bounty Hunters series that I'm reading. Like, they pretty much took that his character and put took him out of there and put him in the Darth Vader comic. Yeah. And, like, just the the Bounty Hunter series, since it's not technically the Valence series, it's just continuing with a other group of Bounty Hunters, and they're following that story. So I'm glad that they can feel like they can take him out of, like, his series that he was in and start putting him in other ones. Like, you know, it's a big connected Star Wars universe out here. I feel like they've dialed him back to a calmer place, and the yeah. s- I'm anxious to see where his story will go in the future. A few years ago, there was a huge blitz of valence content all at once, and I was like, yes. "Why should I care?" And so yeah. I, you know, I read Target Vader, and Han Solo, Imperial Cadet, and Bounty Hunters, and who I was a lot, and I had to like research. Went back and read the Marvel stuff, and I wrote the guide for Utini.com. There's a reading collection about valence. It's really good. I wrote it, and in it, I actually think, Emma, that I read this like right before you and I hung out last summer and I bought this issue because I remember thinking, you might have been on an episode of Legends Look Back or something, that the battle between Valence and Vader in, uh, it might be issue 17 or 18, is one mm-hmm. of the coolest moments in this entire series when Valence's You were telling me that cyborg- when we were at the comic okay, okay, shop. Yeah. I remember this. Valence's yes. cyborg hand comes up out of the the acid lava and grabs Vader by the boot. It's so cool. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I think if you can kind of take all these pieces together and just go with it, that's that's my advice again, is if you can just let the story take you and immerse yourself in it, rather than being like, whoa, 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 well, who is this guy? Why is there so much stuff with him all of a sudden? If you can go with it, it's fun. I mean, it's really engaging, all the stuff they've done with the character. A lot of twists and turns in this sucker's life. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I, I think, yeah, you summed it up great. You know, twists and turns. Um, the only reason I say yes, I feel like he's a little overused is because it feels like he doesn't really have a place in the story right now. Like, it feels a little forced, no pun intended, um, you know, to to just, like, you know, his story ran out in Bounty Hunters, and now they're putting him in Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't. I, I I'm all caught up with Vader, and I honestly couldn't tell you what he's doing right now. <laughs> so I can but, see that. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see if there is a long term plan with him, or if they're waiting on writers to figure out what to do with this chess piece. You know, <laughs> see where they can move yeah. him around a little bit and make something fun happen with him. In which case, 
sure. I like jazz as much as the next white guy. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I can I can definitely see that. Um, one other you know kind of question I had is, do you guys think that a lot of Valence's charm is in the cybernetics, or do you think do you think some of his likability kind of goes away when those cybernetics are taken away? Oh, the cool factor for sure is yeah. The <laughs> He's like a superhero, and that, like he has like his special power, which is like laser beam hands, so he can like you know force blast people with his palm. Like he's got you know neat tricks. You know, like it's like the six million dollar man. Like he, there's like there's something about having like the the self made like super cool cyborg here. Like yes, technically that's you know he's not a character. Like his human parts make him a much more interesting character. But no, he's um. I think he's uh I think he's a lot of uh a lot of very interesting parts boiled in there. So even if you were to take away his uh, if you were to take away his uh the cybernetics, well, he is the background character and kind of just a jerk in one of the uh Star Wars series. It's, he wasn't really a person until we got him damaged for like a fair term. Like he's once he's a cybernetic person, he's actually uh like he's he's just another uh would have been uh imperial uh grunt yeah I, I can be down with that i think maybe my opinion has changed on that a little bit since we've been getting some flashback you know little snippets of his you know his time before the cybernetics like i feel like i you know kind of care about the person like there's a person in there um who has some personality and has been through some stuff and you know i, I feel like for me i can't i have a hard time separating like what you said, Jared, like, well, what is cool? Like, what is the coolness? And what is me being interested in him as a character? And I, I think I have a hard time separating that. But what are your thoughts on that, Jared? I want to root for him. and I'm interested. But I got to see a little bit of that middle in order to make me. Yeah. Interested. And if they just put a regular that, old that face on him, there. I'm like, eh, eh, I don't need him. But I think I'm with you, honestly. Just I just make it look excited. a little bit more yeah. visually interesting. It's a comic book. Swing for the yeah. fences. Come on. Yeah. So yeah, let's, I mean, let's there's a dinosaur with a laser beam on his head. Why can't we just yeah, have some exactly Vader? <laughs> okay, Vader gets all of his limbs taken off, and he has to refit himself with cyborg body parts made from battle yeah. droids. And it's a comic book. Give me some goofy stuff. So um, <laughs> I'd like to see where he goes next. Oh, I like I have high Jared hopes. get all riled up about comics. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Jared, no. I, I believe you have a character that you wanted to, sh- yeah. to talk Speaking about. Speaking of swing for the fences with some goofy comics characters, Shira Bree is, for my money, the most interesting character to come out of the old school Marvel comics. And by that, I mean, I've read like a dozen. So... <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot to catch up on. After I beat Tyler in my Legends Race to the Finish competition, I will uh, have to binge all of these on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, Lumaya, Dark Lady of the Sith, is her subtitle, which is cool. Wow. Yeah. All right. That's so let me set the stage for you, okay? It's a tale as old as time, right? She first appeared as Shira Bree, Luke's rebel girlfriend. Luke meets another rebel. Luke is single. He's looking to have a little bit of fun with the ladies. He's got a lot of girlfriends in this series, which is fun. Um, never turns out well, at least in these comics. Oh, Luke. He makes a girlfriend. Turns out she's an Imperial spy, so uh, Luke shoots her down. 
you know, as one does. Kills his girlfriend, doesn't go to therapy. I it'll, hate it when that happens. It'll all work itself out, I'm sure. Um, this character was created by David Michelin and Walter Simonson back in issue 56. So then there's several issues there, a little uh, mini arc with Shira Bree's story. That's that. Dead, shot down, end of story. Mm-hmm. Record scratch. No, there's more. Two years later. She comes back in issue 88, written by Mary Jo Duffy, which just goes to show, like, we need women writing cool women villains. Yes. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Because it's the strongest thing in this entire series. And so, this time, not only does she come back, you know, Luke's Luke's, uh, rebel girlfriend, Imperial spy that he murdered. She comes back as a cyborg dominatrix with a turban and a light whip. Yes, we love it. We stand. Wow. <laughs> and not only is it a light whip, it's a cat of nine tails light whip. So there's like all these strands of metal fiber. And then there's also lightsaber bits that come out, which is <laughs> lightsaber bits. Bazonkers. <laughs> and uh, in issue 96, I believe we have an image of this. Yes, it we do. It is one of the coolest visual things in the entire series. There's four or five pages. That's how this issue begins. The first four or five pages in this issue, there's no dialogue. Oh, interesting choice. Four or five pages. That's the issue that I bought at our comic book store in Maine, Emma. Four or five pages of Luke and, let's see, it's called Duel with a Dark Lady. And then there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven full pages with no dialogue. It's just pink and yellow and black. It's so stylistically cool. And as Justin says in the chat, (laughs) He-Man Luke. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Luke is ripped, but he gets his butt kicked. And so then the rest of the episode is he's got to pick himself up and figure out how to rematch her. And he does. And so then I won't spoil it. Check this one out. Definitely worth your time. does, does, Does Luke survive? (laughs) <laughs> God, I don't want to spoil it. I don't spoil it. Uh, she survived, as one does in Star Wars, and she came back as a cyborg. So, never. Uh-oh. It's Star Wars. Never. You can't keep a good man yeah, down. So, yeah. 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 But not can't only did he not kill her the first time, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. She comes back again. Like I, I think I remember this. I haven't read the books, but continue, continue. I feel like I feel like this whole saga has been detailed on the Star Wars archives at one point. Yes, Luke's legendary love lives. Okay. Her story is told on the Valentine's Day episode. Correct. Um, she comes back again decades later in Legacy of the Force, Corey's favorite books. Mm-hmm. She is one of the villains in Legacy of the Force, and that's all I'll say about that. Oh. She, they were the creative team was looking for there. There was a character known as the Wizard, and they were looking for who would be kind of like a, a cool character to pull back in from something. And um, one of the, the female creatives, one of the women, I forget exactly who it was, Shirley Shapiro, maybe um, one of the creative directors with Delray said he considered Lumaya from the old Marvel comics and uh, make it work, figure it out. It's been decades. It's in a totally different era of the universe. Just make it happen. And they did. And it's really awesome. It's really awesome. So That's um, so cool. And, and that's what works so well with those first few pages is we mentioned how wordy this series is. The fact that they yeah. chose to have four or five, you know, what did I say, seven, seven pages of her yeah. just dueling it out with Luke is dope. 
So. I agree. That is so cool. And I feel like I need to, you know, I, I need to read some yeah, more about it, her. She sounds super interesting. She is. Get yeah, caught sure. up here. Now, I do want to quickly say, like, you know, when you first said her name, like, wait, isn't that Poe's mom? But no, that's oh. keeping track at home. Uh, Poe's mother is Shara Bay. Great. But we're talking about Shara Bree. Yeah, uh-huh. that's right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not confusing at all. Not confusing <laughs> at all. I, I just, I, I, like, it's one of those things. But that's like, legendary, they, right? Were they made in a microcosm? Who knows? Like, is Poe's mom going to become a secret dark lady of the Sith with a white light whip? Maybe. That would be really interesting, honestly. <laughs> exactly. Jared, Jared's so excited right now, he can't even speak. That is awesome. I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh. Wow. Well, I think we should end it on, on that, yeah, honestly. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, there's no topping that, you know, amount of speculation. Let me just, let me just um, spoil it real quick. Yeah. All right. So yeah, if you... It. This is your spoiler warning. If you want to know what how Luke finally defeats Lumaya, go and read it. He fashions a second lightsaber, a shorter lightsaber, a Shoto. Yeah. Oh, yes. So that he dual wields and she shows up to the battle with her whip and she's like, oh, two of them. No, there are two of them. <laughs> he finesses her by having a second lightsaber and that's how he wins. No way. Yeah, yeah, Are you yeah. kidding me? He's she survived all that wait, other wait, stuff, wait, and that's AKA, what got her. And, and we, that's awesome, but when Ray does it to defeat Palpatine, suddenly that's no good. <laughs> there you go, Caleb. Remember? There you go. There you it's, go. It's, she needed a shorter one. Two that's the problem. Ray should have had a shorter one as her offhand oh. saber. She needed her, her show. So that, it, that was the problem. And so basically, he's able to wrap her whips around the blades and disarm her. And then the invade the invading alien fleet shows up, and so I don't know what happens after that. But so there's the cliffhanger. Anyway, wow, it's cool. That was a fascinating roller coaster. Um, You're welcome. And I'm so glad I know that. <laughs> oh wow! Well, this has been a really interesting uh, episode. I'm I'm very glad that we came back around and revisited this series with our very good friend. Jared, Jared, you have uh, an episode of Legends Look Back tomorrow. Do you want to tell the fine folks what is going to happen tomorrow at 9.30 Eastern Time? Yes, uh, we are on our countdown to 100. We've got Legends Look Back episode 100 happening next week because of scheduling conflicts. Ooh. So mm-hmm. tomorrow night, and hey, that 100 episode, a very special guest. I'll give you a hint. He's a doctor. And that narrows it down yeah, to two. It does. So uh, <laughs> tune in to episode 100 to find out. Very, very fun. Big thing. Uh, big milestone for us. Very exciting. I'm going to wear a suit. Next Ooh. episode, tomorrow night, is a bonus episode. It will not be live. It will be our ultimate Star Wars Celebration Highlight Reel colon Legends Edition. And I Ooh. spent 20 hours editing this thing. Wow. Wolf. And it looks like it was edited Wolf. by a five-year-old. Because no, I, don't, I'm sure. I don't know the technology very well. But um, <laughs> finally stitched together all of our celebration footage. Emma, you're in it. And Caleb, you're not. Ooh. But uh, Emma, you are. I, I don't remember what I said or did in it. So I'm excited to watch it. <laughs> you hand out buttons and you pose for pictures. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's great. And uh, yeah, an early congratulations on mm-hmm. 100 um that is exciting time huge and uh yeah but you you know we're gonna talk to you uh again before then 
Um, next week. Because next week, next week is going to be me and Jared and Freddie. Y'all, we are talking about Dark Empire. Finally. Finally. Yes, we've got Naked Palpatine. Uh, we've got... Uh, what are the the world vacuum things? The world devastators. Luke looking yes, like a Scooby Doo yes. villain. That's right. Yes. Oh, yeah. Luke and Luke. Right. That's the one with Luke. No. no this is this no, is not half Luke. No. This has. Well, I mean, there's a lot of cloning issues. Yes. Yes. Though, there are so. clones. Yes, Boba yes. Fett's back. <laughs> Boba Fett. Hot oh, is Boba this Fett. hot dog Boba it Fett? Is, uh-huh. Oh my gosh, we have two memes in and, one. And you know, Cam Candy's amazing watercolor artwork. It's oh, it's man. a it's a yes. great it's a great series. It is a lot. Yeah. So I I literally cannot wait for this episode with the three of us. It feels you know it feels full circle to finally be talking about you know the the one that started all the memes. <laughs> so that'll be really awesome. Uh, and of course on on Monday on the Living Force uh, is their Shadow of the Sith Roundtable Part One, uh, which is going to be awesome and reminds me I should finish that book. <laughs> all righty y'all and uh so, yeah, yeah uh, thank sure. you thank absolutely yeah definitely thank you again jared for joining us tonight uh this this was a lot of fun um you know glad to do it and i've uh, had a blast yeah it's been a lot of fun we always appreciate you uh having you on the show and um yeah i was i was gonna say you know we'll have you back soon but you know we already know when that's gonna be so mm-hmm. <laughs> no lies there all right That'll do it for this week's episode of The Cosmic Force. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show right here on YouTube, where you can hear us live every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We also encourage you to subscribe to our audio version on whatever podcast platform you listen to. You can also follow us on Twitter and tweet at the show at Cosmic Force Show to stay informed about Star Wars comics news. Or follow the hosts individually. I'm at IrmaJedi26. Caleb is at Caleb at Caleb Lamanac. Jared is at Jared Q. Mace. For reviews, articles, and news for the rest of the expanded universe, be sure to visit utini.com. We encourage you to visit our Utini Discord community by going to utini.com slash discord, and you can help support the show directly by heading to patreon.com slash utini and start receiving extra perks starting at just $5 a month. A special thank you to Brian Dooley, Patrick Ortiz, Earl Q, Robert Thomas, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Elizabeth Cloutier and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support. Thank you again to Caleb and Jared for hosting with me tonight, and a special thank you to our listeners for joining us. We truly appreciate you. See everyone next week, and as always, may the Force be with you. 